The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Café. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Café, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, let me tell you something, a little bit about the Multimedia Cafe. Very quickly, just what we're all about. We're a relatively new show. Been around for about a month now. We've done 32 episodes, 33 episodes, something like that. So appreciate you folks for tuning in, checking us out. Variety of different interviews for everything from excessive digital content to oil and gas midstream, downstream, upstream, salmon stream, all kinds of different streams. And you know what? We've had the Dickinson Backpack Community Program on here. They feed 300 children a week up there in Dickinson, North Dakota. So you never know who you're going to run into here or what we're going to talk about. Tom Pexcamp, singer-songwriter. Blind Joe, singer-songwriter. Brian Sullivan from CNBC was on here just a few days ago. So today we've got a fantastic program, which I'm going to get to in just a second. But Multimedia Cafe, we use a variety of different media, multimedia, in fact, Facebook, Skype, telephone, face-to-face, cellular communication device of a cell phone, all kinds of different ways to talk to people in today's world. We embrace that. And we have cafe talk, uh, casual conversation. We try to stay out of the political discourse because everyone else is doing that, including ESPN, for crying out loud. You can barely get a sports score without some sort of social agenda attached to it. You know, I just want to know if the Timberwolves won or lost. How the Nuggets doing, you know what I mean? So what we try to do here is just have some regular conversation. We try to be non-polarizing, non-political. Doesn't mean we don't talk about policy or a new law or a new regulation. But we try to keep the bombastic, sensational, flamboyance, over-the-top language out of it and just stick with the facts and experts and you know what people like to talk about what people know about now we do speculate from time to time but we generally say we're in speculation mode because quite honestly it's a busy world out there and we like to be the eyes and the ears for those people out there who are living in that busy busy world okay now with that being said i'd like to look at a few things on today's docket so we can keep this program moving along here And what we've got on today's program, Luis Dardis from Succeed 2020 talks about how the program was started and explains her role as program manager. Succeed 2020 is one of those oil and gas initiatives that was started. I believe Hess is one of the main drivers behind it. And this is another great example of how the energy community, the industry, really is above and beyond a good capitalist. Okay, a capitalist is somebody who makes money and then turns around and gives it back to their community in a variety of different ways. Well, along the lines, there was a bunch of greedy capitalists, so government had to step in and create these taxes and, you know, kind of play the Robin Hood type thing. Well, we all know that so many times when Robin Hood takes from the quote-unquote rich and then gives it to the poor, well, somewhere along the line, it's kind of 
shape-shifted to where everybody seems to pay, including the poor and the middle class. And then they kind of go to self-interest groups and a lot of rich people. And then they do not necessarily trickle it down like Reaganomics was supposed to do. In fact, there's a, a new study out that talks about the number of people hoarding the money. So when you think about it, you got the poor and the middle class, and then they give the money to the rich, who then are supposed to start businesses and trickle it down. Well, they're not doing that. In fact, they're not even buying yachts. So the, the yacht manufacturers are even feeling the pinch. So these are signs, you know, of an early recession. That's the only reason I bring it up is because if you talk to the Federal Reserve, like we do, and you talk to some number of think tanks, these are the signs that they start pointing out that are happening. And so we'll have some people on over the next few weeks to talk about those. But I bring this up because the oil and gas world, they continue to give back. Not only do they pay high taxes in many states, but they also fund many social programs and nonprofits. So when the government goes and taxes these energy companies higher than anyone else, yet that money doesn't get distributed to the social programs and the roads and the types of services that are needed to operate a community because a lot of special interests step in in out-of-state consulting companies, in out-of-state rebranding companies seem to take a lot of those dollars no matter what state you're in. The energy companies have to step up and give, well, they don't have to, but they do. They give a lot of money beyond their taxes. They give a lot of money beyond their fees that they have to pay. And this Succeed 2020 is another prime example of that, to where Hess and a number of energy companies have put money into education because there's a need for it, because the social services and the programs that have been built by the engineering, by the government, were failing, failing to the tune to where they had to come up with these new programs. So... Uh, this is another great example of that. And Luis Dardis, Succeed 2020, joins us a little later in the program. And then the second half of the program, Matt Boucher joins us. Matthew Boucher, the CEO of Clockspring. And we talk about a number of different things when it comes to companies that range from $10 million to $40 million in revenue. So we do big public and private companies. Uh, he explains a rise in the marketplace and a new product and development that they're working on it clock spring so uh, kind of a heavy hitter in here a little bit talking to some high level business but we dumb it down for the average folk like me because quite honestly i you know i've, I've got a 12 year old so if he can understand it then i'm pretty cool with it because we talk at dinner and honestly i like to talk about my day and i like to explain it in a way that a 12 year old not only will understand but he won't get up and leave I mean, he usually least waits till the idea of dessert is either presented or denied. So I get that. But okay, Matthew Boucher, CEO of Clockspring, and Luis Dardis, the program manager at Succeed 2020 on today's program, plus some live music from Blind Joe, Tom Pexcamp, amongst others. And what else do we got going on? Oh, my word. That's right. It's the National Day. I saw this today, so I wanted to make sure I passed it along. February 28th, National Public Sleeping Day. Not speaking, National Public Sleeping Day. Now, I don't really know what that means. So I take that as you can sleep in public. And if they arrest you, you can say it's National Sleeping Day. And that's what's been, um, you know, that's the propaganda that's been pushed on me. So I'm going to sleep in public. So, you know, if that's not the case, well, I apologize. But it is National Public Sleeping Day. 
It's also National Chili Day. So if you'd like some chili, today's a good day. National Toast Day. So you've got Chili Day and Toast Day. National Tooth Fairy Day. I find that very interesting that it's National Public Sleeping Day. National Chili Day. National Toast Day. National Tooth Fairy Day. National Floral Design Day. National Rare Disease Day USA. And National Chocolate Souffle Day. Wow. You know, I've never had a chocolate souffle. I've had a lot of things, but I've never had a chocolate souffle. Uh, National Rare Disease Day. Okay. I'll stay away from that one. And National Floral Design Day. So if you know what, if you're looking for a reason to pick up a gift for your wife or your girlfriend or the young gal, that young barista you've been pining over, well, National Floral Design Day. There's your card. You can... Long con them that way. National Tooth Fairy Day. Apparently it's supposed to, it's, I don't know, does that mean it's Christmas for the Tooth Fairy? I'm, I'm, I'm missing the National Tooth Fairy Day one, but whatever. Okay, all right. Let's uh, take a quick break here. We come back. Yeah, did you like that uh, transition on that segment? It was like uh, um, my parachute was a knapsack, and I was falling very quickly on that one. And so we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Uh, Louis Stardust joins us with Succeed 2020 right here on the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Well, the circuit holds the power of the hour, and the light switch turns your tongue sour. There's no way to explain how the got that way. It's the same reason the sky is blue when you believe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what you're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we're going to sit down and talk with Luis Dardis. She's the program manager at Succeed 2020. I'm Louise Dardis. I'm the North Dakota program manager for Succeed 2020. Uh, Succeed 2020 is a is a result of a $25 million education and workforce initiative grant from Tess Corporation. 
So uh, this $25 million grant from Hess, what is the goal behind Succeed 2020? The goal is aims to improve North Dakota's education and workforce development systems and increase students' achievement in middle grades and high school, access to and success in post-secondary education and preparation for 21st century skills. Um, basically, to sum it up or put, them in, put it in layman's terms, it's um, working with high schools and the money that flows through our regional education associations um, flows through the high school to have the educators work with students to prepare them for life beyond high school, beyond graduation. And of course, in high school, you're preparing for them to graduate, earn the credits to graduate and so forth. But we're now saying, let's look at college and careers, looking at their abilities, um, looking at their interests, and how do they fit together, what courses they should take, what scholarships are available, what jobs are available, what careers are available, um, things such as that. Do some exploration so students have some idea what they want to do after high school graduation. Is there um, more education towards the trade world? Uh, the reason I bring that up is there's, there seems to be kind of a push happening where maybe a four-year degree is not what every kid should have. Like it was when I was going to high school, that was pretty much the only option. Trades were not mentioned. As I've interviewed people the last four or five years, I've, I've seen kind of a little bit of a push to reintroduce the, um, what do we call the Moorhead tech back in the day. The, you know, and a lot of it's because of the artificial intelligence, the computerized world that's come in. Is that at all part of this where they're, they're kind of showcasing some of those trade skills? Um, the intent of this was not to showcase trade skills. The intent was to have multi-levels of educated students in which Hess says we want to hire. We want to hire North Dakota people. Um, um, Steve McNally, that is kind of is the, the manager of Hess in North Dakota, um, first time I met him said, I asked him about it, and he said, I want to hire North Dakota people because they're hardworking, they're creative, they're problem solvers, and so forth. Um, but he, and he said, if they if we hire North Dakotans, they buy homes, they pay taxes, they get involved in communities, they attend the church, their kids go to school, and so forth. And um, so we want them to stay around. And so, but he said we need well-educated people at multiple levels in order to hire them for the right job. I used to tell people that trying to understand oil and gas is very difficult because there's so many different opportunities within oil and gas. And I think that's what you're, you're saying here is it's not necessarily the trades, it's not necessarily the engineers or the scientists, it's all the above. Yeah. And so what, how, how is this going? What have you seen so far? Uh, and how long, I guess, have you been doing this? Um, it's a five-year grant. Um, the end of the grant is June of 2017, and so we have you know, this year left. And it, we've had success. Um, the first couple of years, we're getting off the ground and getting everything embedded into working with the schools, um, getting programs going, and now we have information can hand off to you um, on some of the successes uh, from the eight REAs. Um, and um, it talks about what they're doing in the individual schools. One of the beauties of it going through our REAs is that the premise for the REAs, as set by North Dakota Century Code, is they work with their member schools within their area, and they tailor the programs to meet their needs. So what is done in the Botno area with NESC and what's done in the Fargo area with SEEC are totally different, but it meets the needs of those particular schools. They could have the same content. It may be done in a different way. It may... Um, 
be different content also, but it meets the needs of those individual schools. And, and Hess was very wise to realize that needs across the state are very different. Are you finding pretty good participation through this? Are there certain areas that are participating more? or Our REAs are fabulous partners. And, and, they're, and they're more than partners because the money flows through the REAs and, and they design the programs to meet their school's needs. And um, they didn't just choose what they're going to do. They had to survey the schools. They had to look at where, what are the needs and look at the strengths because often programs build on, you know, programs um, use the strengths to build and help the needs mm-hmm. areas. And um, so they're the ones that plan all the activities, the programs, going into the schools, the professional development, everything like that, scheduling, and um, they do a fabulous job with that. So if somebody's listening to this and um, they're wondering how their child can get involved with something like this, how do they go about doing that? Well, 97% of our schools in North Dakota are members of an REA. So what they really should do is ask their high school administration. And um, if not, the best thing that they could do is go to ndsucceed2020.org and they can find out what REA they're in, who to contact, some of the activities that they're involved with, some of the available things for students and teachers and educators and so forth. And REA is? Regional Education Associations. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. That was Luis Dardis, the program manager at Succeed 2020. I'd like to remind you folks that the Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check out the full-length interview or exclusive interviews on our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out our social media tab. We've got over 350,000 social media followers. We have a nice network. Check it out, the different areas that we're in, in different parts of the country. And the Multimedia Cafe is part of that network, and we're very proud to be a part of that 350,000 strong network we've got there at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation. Coming up next, Matthew Boucher, the CEO of Clockspring. Matt Boucher, President and CEO, Oxford Company. Outstanding. Thank you very much for joining us here today. Crude Life Media Network, we're going to talk a little innovation, infrastructure, that sort of thing. But um, Clock Spring, that's the name. Huh? Talk to me a little bit about what your company does. Well, Clock Spring makes a, a variety of products, uh, all designed around uh, repairing and rehabilitating critical critical infrastructure, including uh, you know, transmission pipelines, gathering lines, uh, refineries, petrochemical plants, etc. Um, our products tend to be very highly innovative, highly engineered, and you know designed to solve uh, mission critical problems in ways that are you know cost effective and uh, you know help with environmental and asset sustainability. What would be like an example of something like that? You know, maybe something you've done in the past where, you know, you guys have had to become either customized or specialized for, for one of those projects. Clockspring was the first company ever to to uh, design, uh, certify, manufacture, sell, install a uh, composite repair sleeve for uh, the the reinforcement of transmission pipelines that have lost some of their integrity due to either corrosion or, you know, some kind of mechanical interference, like, for example, a, uh, a backhoe hitting a transmission pipeline or something like that. Okay. Uh, the Bakken is uh, at capacity. They're looking at adding a significant amount of pipeline here in the next two, three years. Permian, same thing. Um, are, are you guys, is, is that the type of pipeline that you guys would get into, or are we talking about maybe something else? No, absolutely. We work on those pipelines all the time, and we, we consider those, broadly speaking, you know, uh, gathering lines, or, or in some cases we call them midstream lines, right? They're not part of the sort of the big transmission system, but they feed into it. And, you know, we work on those pipelines all the time, whether they're, they're older 
pipelines coming from, you know, older areas and they need to be kept in service or they're new lines and, you know, something happened during the construction phase of those where, you know, some kind of damage was created. We're, we're working with, with, you know, companies to make sure that those pipes are going to be safe to transport, you know, whatever it is they're transporting. In this case, you're talking primarily about crude, but, um, yeah, that's what we do. So anything from the composite to, I don't know if you guys get into sensors or have to uh, work with people with sensors, but talk to me a little bit about innovation within your industry. What have you seen change in the last 10, 15 years? Well, you know, what we've seen change a lot. By the way, uh, we make uh, valve products that can be installed, you know, online while it's in operation. So if somebody needs to, you know, put in a diversion or a bypass or, you know, just wants a place where they might want to switch it from point A to point B, um, we make valves that are capable of doing that and can be installed while the system's under pressure. Um, we, uh, we are now making flange gaskets that, uh, you know, are type certified to be fugitive emission free. And, you know, we're not just talking about papers, we're also talking about, you know, liquid coming out of a, a flange location. Um, and, you know, every, every drop counts, so to speak. Um, you know, mostly what we've seen over, you know, the last 10 years is the need to, you know, continue to operate assets um, that are either um, beyond their their use, beyond their original design life, or uh, approaching their original design life. And you know, we work with customers to to keep those assets in service, and we do that through our composite products, through our valve products, through our gasket products. Uh, the Meridian Energy Group. They're building the Davis Refinery out in um, Belfield, North Dakota, and the, the kind of the pipes and the and the gaskets and that sort of thing is is what they cited as an example of a way to reduce emissions. You mentioned that too that um, you know these new gaskets you have are reducing emissions or something like that. Just explain that a little bit more. How, how does that uh, reduce emissions? Sure. So it really all comes down to you know the material. Uh, from which you design the gasket or manufacture the gasket, and then specifically, you know how how you how you form that gasket. In our case, you know we've introduced the full metal gasket, and yeah, we did steal it off of that movie name. Um, but uh, you know we we introduced the full metal gasket, and, and you know one of the key components of our full metal gasket is that the gasket is made out of the same metal as the surrounding flange material. So. That means that our gasket is going to expand and contract, you know, whether it's through heating and cooling or cycles on the, on the infrastructure. It's going to expand and contract at the same rate as the metal around it. So, you know, just by that alone, the gasket's going to stay, you know, more tightly sealed. On top of that, we have a, you know, we have patented uh, V, what we call delta V grooves in the, in the flange itself. And when, the, the, the flange is bolted together, those grooves that we specially machine in using, you know, customized CNC equipment um, collapse down a little bit microscopically, but they collapse down and they form a super tight seal. And uh, there's actually three seals that get formed. So even if one of them isn't working, you know, you've got a lot of redundancy built in. 
And the idea is once you form that tight seal, and if the gasket then moves uh, at the same rate and, you know, with expansion and contraction as the metal around it, then, you know, you're not going to have any, any, you know, anything getting out of that flange location. That is typically the weakest point from, uh, from that standpoint where you're going to see emission. Another thing that came out of uh, some of the th- discoveries of the Davis refinery um, was, and sorry to bring that up, but their their first refinery in 50 years, so their technology has to be like top of the line. We've been following it, very impressed with their technology. So what you're talking about kind of reminds me of what they have going and probably even validates the same thing, which is uh, one of the things that's happening up there in terms of, in theory, is that you know there's some of this new technology and some of these gaskets and et cetera is really lowering the maintenance cost and the you know kind of the follow-up cost is that a, now you you sound to me like you guys are actually putting this into practice that sort of thing have you had enough time with your new technology to see whether you know this new innovative uh, uh, pipelines and composites and gaskets are they lowering the maintenance cost for people you know they absolutely are um you know, with the, with the new gasket, obviously, we just announced it last week, so we don't have a, a ton of data. But with our other products, we have a ton of data. You know, if you wanted to talk specifically about the gaskets, you know, down here on the Gulf Coast where I live, and, you know, of course, we have tons of refineries and petrochemical plants down here. Um, you know, there's a whole industry that exists of, of folks who just monitor plants for fugitive emissions. And it's people walking around with specialized backpacks on that have snippers you know, sniffer wand, and it's drones that are looking for emissions and things like this. And, you know, I mean, the companies here, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, the refineries here, they're not brand new, right? I mean, ExxonMobil, Beaumont, I think, was built, opened in, like, 1918 or something like that. Um, they, you know, they spend a lot of money just checking for those emissions. Um, you know, when it comes to our composite repair products, you know, our products can typically be used to, you know, seal up a leaking defect, and we can do that on gathering lines, um, to reinforce a pipe, uh, etc. Um, you know, you, you can do that work typically in, you know, 45 minutes to an hour compared to, you know, how long it would take you to, you know, cut the thing out or place it, um, you know, figure out what you're going to do with the material inside it while you're doing that, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money to be saved from this new technology. It's amazing uh, just how some simple things like uh, some angles and, little bit of a material added here can just really become very environmentally sound really at the end of the day um what how many different i mean i'm sure you guys are in quite a few but uh and branch outside of the energy industry but give a little plug for your company how many different uh um you know shale plays are you guys in cities are you in that sort of thing and um you know in in the energy industry outside the energy industry
Mr. Matthew Boucher, hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick break. we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Matthew Boucher, the CEO of Clockspring. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Matthew Boucher, the CEO of Clockspring. You know, every single year, and, and you know, you hit it, right? It's, it, it's our ability to help them manage their critical infrastructure, do so in a way that is, you know, uh, cost effective, do so in a way that is, you know, more friendly to the environment. Um, and that, you know, that of course is critically important. And, and by the way, do so in a way that enhances safety, right? Because if you, you start talking about, um, you know, not having to weld on a pipe or not having to use heavy lifting equipment or, or things like this, and these are all things that, that, that our products enable, you know, you end up with with a safer environment, right? If you're, you're not likely to get hurt doing something if you don't do that thing, and, and that's really something that we spend a lot of time, especially when we're thinking about new products, um, thinking about is, is how can we figure out a way to take some steps out of this process that might be dangerous steps. Anything that uh, we forgot to mention, anything that uh, you wanted to reiterate, uh I kind of like to give uh, guests the final word. That way the question isn't framed by me and they can take it whatever direction they want. So uh, kind of final thoughts. Uh, the floor is yours. We, uh, we, we, of course, have a number of products and, and you know, we'd love for people to learn about them at our website, which is www.clockspring.com. And that's Clockspring just like the way it sounds. Um, but more importantly, I want to make people aware that we have a staff of engineers here available at the country, at the company, I'm sorry, you know, including PhD level engineers um, who, uh, you know, would love to work with, with people on critical problems uh, that they may, may be trying to solve, um, and we'd love to work with them. And that was Matthew Boucher, the CEO of Clockspring. To check out the full length of the interview or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Be sure to check out our social media pages as well at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Our social media network is over 350,000, and we would love to have you be a part of our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts and social media people. Okay, sure. Disciples? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, energy enthusiasts for the energy programs, but uh, anyway. <laughs> CrudeLife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us here on the radio. If you're tuning in via the radio network that we've got, appreciate that very much. We know there's a lot of choices out there, a lot of places to get your content, so appreciate 
very much for those of you joining us over the radio waves. And for those of you who've downloaded the podcast or streaming us online, thank you very much as well. Like I said, there's a thousand million places to get your content. I always joke that when I go fill up my car with gas, they've got televisions there now with Steve Harvey and other people giving me the news. So you can even get your content from the gas station. Um, So thank you very much for choosing us. We appreciate it very much. And we'd like to remind you, all of our interviews are exclusive. So if you're looking for some new information, some fresh information, if you're looking for someone to be your eyes and your ears in this busy, busy world, that's what the Multimedia Cafe and the Crude Life Media Network is all about. So thank you very much. From the staff at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Open window came, like Sinatra in a younger days, pushing the town away, away. Hey, oh, mama, mine to the night. Hey, oh, mama, hey, life in a northern town. Sat on the stony ground He took a cigarette out And everyone else came down To listen It was a winter 1963 It felt like the world would freeze With John F. Kennedy And the Beatles Yeah, yeah Hey, don't mind my mind to the night Hey, don't mind my Hey, Life in a northern town Hey, don't mind my mind to the night Hey, don't mind my Hey, And they shut the factory down The evening had turned to Water rolled down the train As we followed him down To the station He would never wave goodbye See it written in his eyes Train rolled out of sight Right by Hey on my mind to the night Hey on my mind I remember when I was in grade school, them drilling a, a well on our land, and they weren't able to get to the oil because of the lack of technology at the time. But 
I was just telling him some random stories. Uh, he has a film background. He goes, dude, we got to make a movie up there. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it is it, it is Wild West. Now I've been moving around a lot these days From apartment to apartment Stay to stay I'm very happy that I ended up in North Dakota. People are amazingly true to their heart. One place I could call my home I grew up here back when the oil field was slow. It was pretty much just a farming community. Under the soft red glow of the wintertime city clouds. Every time I go home now, it's something. Something's different, you know. There's three more apartment complexes or Menard is going up. Always changing. Every time I roll back to town. Every time I roll back around. Even when you see, like, uh, people driving down the street, now you see Lambos drive, you see Ferraris, you see Porsches. That's something we've never seen before. It, it's really, it's really changed. Out by my grandma's house, and some days I can almost feel the wind blow. Tastes like cool, dry, dusty autumn hair in my mouth. Uh, in a car, they're in a tent, they're in some other building that's not meant for human habitation. We've actually found people living in haystacks, in uh, grain bins. We found one guy that, that basically gets shelter in a culvert each night. Come falling down on me Every time I roll back to town Every time I roll back around On Friday nights, if there wasn't a game going on, I'd jump in my dark swinger. 72 Dodge Dart, two-door, sports model, and uh, Drag Main, where we'd turn, uh, take a right by Simonson's, go down, take a left, which is now maybe, I don't know if it's a Hardy's there, we'd go down Main, turn around the depot, and then drive that rod back. Pretty simple life. I have lived in Dickinson since 1978, and I went through the 80s oil boom, married there, and then we went through some pretty lean times in Dickinson. I feel like going back to North Dakota, take a job and find a wife, finally settle down. Give this football shot opportunity the best of my abilities and uh, get my agronomy degree and hopefully return home, work at the local elevator and help take over the family farm. And provides, and I'd hate to think that I'd become a stranger. To the place where I was born, where my heart still resides. Well, if you're industry coming in, you know, respect the people that you're coming on to. Well, if you're coming on a sovereign nation, you should respect those people. And all the memories come falling down on me every time I roll back to town. Beautiful mother, came off a farm in Berthold, eighth grade education, moved into a one-room apartment above a bar and a hardware store, had to go on welfare, and then get a job as a domestic in babysitting. But that mama was a wonderful teacher and one of the most pathologically honest people I've ever met. So as hard as it sounds now, it really wasn't that tough because I had a good person, a good example inside the house. I've actually lived on the eastern half of the state longer than I have over here, but I'll still always call Western North Dakota home. 